0: This episode of the Film Stage Show is presented by the streaming service Film Movement Plus. Enjoy World of Cinema today on all of your favorite devices by signing up at filmmovementplus.com. Girl, you'll be your woman soon. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for the Filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hey there. Hello. We also have Bill Graham. Woo! And with us today, a very special guest to help us talk about the movie that we're talking about today, which is Promising Young Woman. It's Drea Clark.
1: I want to do both a hey there and a woo! <laughs>
0: you can. We've never had a guest who steals all of the, the opening catchphrases, but you can be the first. Do it. Yes! Yes! Yeah. You can even switch it up. It's like, hey there, woo, or woo, hey there. I know
1: I could have reversed them, but you know, I'm a traditionalist, so.
0: (laughs) All right. We love tradition here. Um, I don't know if there's anything to back that up.
1: Happy Pesach.
0: Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners before we start launching into stuff?
1: I would love to. In addition to being a catchphrase stealer, um, I am an independent film producer and festival programmer and I also host slash co-host a couple movie podcasts myself um, who shot you on Maximum Fun. And woo. Woo. <laughs> and hey there and uh, Ticklish Business, um, which is a classic cinema deconstructed with sort of a feminist viewpoint. Yeah. Woo. Talking awesome. movies, working movies, picking movies. That's me.
0: Yeah. Sweet. Well, you know who we are. Uh, this is Film Stage Show. You can find us on Twitter at Film Stage Show. Facebook, The Film Stage Show. And of course, you can email us, p- podcast at thefilmstage.com, as well as giving us a comment and a rating on iTunes to let us know what you think of us. And of course, uh, you can become a patron of this here podcast by going to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow. show. it was $1 an episode, you get access to our super cool Slack channel, as well as first crack at all of the raffles that we have that are film-related over at the Film Stage. And we're also brought to you Today by Film Movement Plus. Enjoy a world of cinema with Film Movement Plus streaming subscription. Award-winning independent features, documentaries, and shorts, as well as restored classics, are all waiting for you to discover. Plus, there are guaranteed new films added every week. Available on all of your favorite devices, including Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire, Film Movement Plus is priced at $5.99 a month. But, because you're a savvy film stage show listener, Film Movement Plus will give you a 30-day free trial, plus the next three months at 50% off. So when you use the promo code STAGE when signing up, you can take advantage of that incredible offer. Again, go to filmmovementplus.com and use promo code STAGE and start streaming today. So that's that. Um, anyone have anything to talk about before we talk about Promising Young Woman? I feel like we've gotten through all of our front matter super quick, and I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all that pesky front matter.
0: <laughs> there's so much front matter, and usually, like, there's a five minute tangent before I even get to say, "Right, yeah, we're on Twitter."
2: <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're looking at me.
0: I'm uh, Robert. Jesus, you're come on, at do me. something. <laughs> we gotta That's talk about mangoes done. or some shit. That
2: oh, wasn't me.
0: I know, but me. you you helped. That's true. All right. I'm well, a very
2: st- good st- stick fan.
3: I'm still buying pre cut onions, so.
0: God, Bill just that, will not stop room. bragging about buying oh, pre-cut.
2: I I buy
1: pre-cut onions. Wow.
0: Yes. Wow.
1: Oh yes, I'll tangent on that.
2: Ms. Moneybags.
1: So they're so cheap. They're like a yeah. dollar, and you can freeze them, and they'll last you. I that's also great. do not cook that often. I should say that as
3: well. Like <laughs> frozen frozen. Yeah, foods.
1: It probably is clear that I'm not a chef type, as I buy pre-cut onions but i think they're sensible (laughs) i like a sensible choice in the kitchen
0: no i always go for the craziest thing
2: (laughs) which (laughs) is what
0: i don't know i was about to say like i need to plant and grow and harvest my own onions before i even cut them but uh, i don't know i don't i don't have anything i had nothing to back up that statement Mm. i think this is what we should do we should do this with all of our guests just be like you know welcome you know, Joe Do Sasquatch, uh, what are your thoughts on pre-cut onions? Buy or no buy? <laughs>
3: <My> <laughs> I feel like no. a, a, a lot of people might not even know that that's a thing that exists. But it's, it, it's no definitely like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's at Kroger. It's at Tom Thumb. It's at, at you yeah. know, your major grocery the fuck is stores. Tom Thumb? I
2: was just going to say, oh, okay. oh, Tom well, wow.
3: well, you know, all regional, uh, just, you know, Uh, Insert yeah. mm -hmm. Insert grocery store here. What is Kowalski's? Kowalski's
1: is the local grocery store in White Bear Lake, Minnesota. I can't believe you don't know it. (laughs)
2: That's crazy. The only
1: Kowalski I know is streetcar named Desire. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he uh, eventually settled down, moved to the suburbs, and uh, opened a grocery (laughs) store. That sounds Um, like
2: a nice man would. (laughs)
0: Um yes. Robin. You were about to say something about your sister.
2: Oh no, I was going to say my sister-in-law. Um, her profession is being a vegetable cutter um, at the supermarket. So she thanks everybody that keeps hey. her employed.
3: I, 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 I presume she says that. I don't really know.
2: <laughs> nice.
1: It's That's hard good. work. It I... really is, which is why I appreciate buying them already cut. Right,
0: Thank you, you were you were giving a job to a union man. Buy pre-cut <laughs> and support. <laughs>
1: I'm a patriot, is what I'm hearing.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, tangent successfully achieved. (laughs) Now I feel comfortable uh, talking about Promising Young Woman, uh, the new film written and directed by Emerald Fennell, starring Carey Mulligan. Um, This movie, I'm just going to read the IMDb description. A young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who cross her path. This movie uh, was recently nominated for a slew of Academy Awards, and it was super in the dialogue a couple months ago. And uh, it's uh, coming back. The Vengeance. Ha! I didn't mean to say that. Um, <laughs> especially as it is now available uh, for purchase and rental on VOD. So let's uh, listen to a part of the trailer. What are you gonna do? I don't know.
3: Whisper something in
0: your ear. Good god almighty. You know, they put themselves in danger, girls like that. It
3: was a perverted thing to say. You'd think you'd
0: learn by that age, right? Please lie down. Alright, so right? that is part of the trailer for promising young woman. We're here to talk about it. So let us begin with our guest. Drea, what did you think of Promising Young Woman?
1: I am an enormous fan of this movie. Um, I actually, one of the festivals I work at is Sundance, which is where this premiered a minute ago. And I waited for a (laughs) whole year for other people to be able to see it. um, (laughs) The curse of the
0: festival goer.
1: It truly is. It truly is. And so... um, it's it's something, and there's a, another film called Zola that I've been waiting ever since. Can't wait. I can't wait. To wait. I want to see summer. it
2: so
1: bad. <laughs> yes. Well, please, uh, please remember me when you do. Um, yeah, Promising Young Woman is something that's stuck with me for so many reasons. I think it's uh, an incredibly topical film and um, such a wonderful, it's thought-provoking and conversation-starting, but also I'm someone who's a longtime fan of... Um, directorial debuts and seeing what filmmakers do with their sort of first shake at a feature is always fascinating to me. And obviously Emerald Fennell is someone, you know, she's the showrunner for season two of Killing Eve, as well as you mentioned is an actress herself. Um, So she's someone who has um, a toe in the industry water, as no one says, but in the choices that she made (laughs) in writing and directing this film and there's like so many different tones and so many different things that she gets to show that she is capable of as a director. So above and beyond me, just really appreciating it as a movie to just absorb and enjoy. Well, enjoy is a tricky word because there's a lot in here that's, Crunchier and twistier than enjoyment. But I also really love it as a vehicle for um, a filmmaker who is starting out and wanting to put a stamp on things and saying like, oh, do you want a taste of what I can do? Because I can do a whole lot.
0: All right. Yeah. Bill Graham. So I had
3: uh, heard a lot about this film before I had ever gotten a chance to see it. Um, so I had heard that. Uh, heard about it out of sundance and it had a lot of buzz around it originally and then it continued to kind of not be available to a lot of people uh luckily enough i was able to uh, catch a screener uh of it uh from for awards consideration at the end of uh last year and uh i was really taken with it but I had heard so much kind of controversy around it. Um, There has really been a ton of writing about this film in particular uh, among, you know... uh, uh, Slew of other films that got a lot of kind of attention last year, but this one really seemed to be one of those that uh, caught fire in a lot of ways, um, both good and bad. Um, and I feel like a lot of that discourse kind of put people off from wanting to jump into it, um, whether it was available to them or not. Uh, you know that that's a different question altogether. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the performances, but i just uh you know i want to be explicit and and kind of shout out to the people that you know really put a lot out there in writing about this film uh with various kind of backgrounds and things like that um there was some really heartfelt writing out there and you know i didn't I didn't feel like I had to jump into the fray in a lot of ways because I don't have a lot of the experience that some of these other writers do. Um, but just the same, I'm I'm happy to talk about it, and I'm I'm glad we're here to discuss it and uh, get into it. All right, Robin
0: Barr.
2: Yeah, you know, I one thing I really value about this movie is the aesthetics, um, Andrea. You might agree with me, but I thought the the brightness of the film, the costuming, the uh, the the manicures that she gives herself, the colorful <laughs> nature of how she adorns herself, the music, the score—I really loved um, how that pops off the screen, and that's one thing that I that really sticks with me um, more so than the story. I would say uh, I remember watching it, thinking like, "What's missing here?" Um, I couldn't really put my finger on it. Except that, I, I really want to be behind this movie for the exact reasons that you're describing. You know, being so topical, being um, a really glitzy debut by a by a director. Um, I really like Emerald Fennell in The Crown. I think she's so fabulous as Camilla. So like, I'm very much rooting for her as a as a director and a writer, but. I feel like I couldn't really grasp the the way that the story um, moves forward because it, I felt like everything was so um, easy to pick out. And we'll get to this obviously in the spoiler stage, but I I didn't find myself surprised by anything. And I think maybe part of it is that like I'm pretty invested in the new cycle as you know things related to me the Me Too movement as related to. Um, sexual abuse and sexual assault which is a huge theme in this movie and so everything I was watching just felt like oh this is like straight out of um, Jezebel or this is you know something that I'm reading every day or like I've seen this this tweet before um, so it, it almost felt like two on the nose about the the political uh, but it's about its own political ambitions and I just couldn't say, oh, that was so satisfying or like, I think, I don't think it really got, um, I don't think it really did everything that it set out to do um, besides introducing a broader audience to some of these issues and maybe that's my own fault, like, you know, coming from it from the angle of like, I've seen this 12,000 times before in the news cycle, like, what is this movie saying that's different than uh, an opinion piece or, or somebody's, like, Me Too post or something. So I, uh, I wanted to like it more than I did, but I do really appreciate the, um, the visuals and the music and the performances were very good, too.
0: Um, as for me, I, um, I don't know that I enjoyed this movie at all, and I think a lot of that just comes from my own past. Um. Which I'm sure we'll get into, Uh, but like, you know, trying to look beyond that and like my personal reactions to it, um, just on an emotional level, uh, I just like, there was, there's something about this movie that like, you're kind of able to call its shots, you know, and see everything it's doing. Um, You know, the second that someone's introduced who seems like they might be decent, you just know that like, they're trying to set you up for some kind of disappointment uh, and and honestly I, I didn't really dig the aesthetic that much I thought it was interesting and it's nice to see a movie that has like an aesthetic choice being made. Um, I don't know that it was for me personally I um, this was nominated for for five Oscars which is is great for everyone involved I don't you know I think that that to my personal opinion says something about kind of the Oscar field this year. Um, and also just the incredibly short, memory of the Oscars, not to turn this into like an anti-Oscar rant, which every podcast is doing around this time of year, but like, you know, I just think of like Defy Bloods and I'm like, come on, like why, why this and not that, like what's happening? Um, and yeah, I just, there, there was, I had a lot of trouble getting into this movie. I just, I kind of kept overthinking it. It never cast a spell on me. And at a certain point I became, uh, I don't know, I became aggravated with my ability to predict what it was doing and i think part of that is a lot of what robin just said where you can kind of you know if you have knowledge of this systemic social problem then then it just it feels kind of like you've heard it before and that there's not anything that in particular is coming to the that this movie is bringing to the table that's not been explored in other places and you know that's before we even get into the concept of like oh what is the ending trying to say like and, and all of that which oh god we're gonna it's gonna be the longest podcast on earth um i've read articles about this movie written by people that you know we've had on this podcast and other people who i very much respect and it's it's heartening to know that these people seem to have similar issues that i have with it um in terms of where its narrative goes um and yeah, I don't I don't know. There's also a part of me and I've been thinking about this more recently. Like going to the movies when you're in a theater is uh, it's an event. It's a it's an endeavor, it's an escapade. You know, you you leave your house and you go do something else and you're sitting in a dark room. I like to say, you know, you're trapped with the movie. And there's just something about a lot of the the kind of more Oscar focused movies that we've we've been talking about thinking of like Nomadland. Um, in particular, just because it's another movie that got a lot of Oscar attention that, you know, I watched in my house. And I just like, there's something about going to a movie theater and being like, let's see what you've got. Let's like, do your, do your thing to me. That's very different when you're like sitting on your couch in your home where you're comfortable. And you just start to think like, instead of like, oh, like this is a movie that's happening. You start to think like, why am I doing this to myself? Like, I am, I am in my house. I could be doing anything right now. Why is this the thing that I have chosen? Because it's not even like, oh, well, I'm going to go out and see a movie. You know, it's I'm, I'm sitting here and I am watching this movie. And I think that there is a part of my brain that doesn't get engaged in that way. And I do wonder if seeing this in a theater, I might've had a, a more favorable reaction to it. Um, but that is something for, movie related psychologists to look into in the years to come to, to see how the pandemic affected the way that people viewed popular culture and cinema. But um yeah, generally, I just, I, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about this. This is definitely the type of movie where like, I do wish that I'd been able to see it with a bunch of friends so we could chat about it. But luckily, I don't have to have friends. I have a podcast. So Ooh. now we can all hang out and chat about a promising young woman.
1: I'm kind of fascinated that two of you thought that this was predictable, because one of my Mm -hmm. favorite things was that I was constantly getting different touches of things. I appreciated so much, particularly like with her father, but both of her parents, that she had this supportive background, and that it wasn't a reveal that, of course, she's damaged because she has daddy issues, and... Mm -hmm. I also found that, you know, having the introduction of Alfred Molina as this very guilt-stricken lawyer in the middle was a turn that I didn't see coming, um, nor did I see his, you know, small involvement again with the end. And I felt him a very believable humanity in this man. And I also believe that he would have behaved like he did in the first place. Um, And again, I I didn't see that coming. So I don't know if that makes me more gullible or not trying to like jump ahead while I'm watching things. But for me, I I was pleasantly surprised and appreciated how all of these characters were spread out, handling things differently and different levels of either culpable or just behaving badly as humans. And I think that that's everything from the fact that we have women that were also involved in promoting and perpetuating the idea of um, shame and victim blaming that had Mm -hmm. initially happened um, and that it wasn't just a sort of straight up gender divide. And I also really appreciated that with Bo Burnham's character, we had someone that we find charming and we kind of fall in love with and we get all this great stuff from. And then that sort of bottom drops out again and i don't know i found all sorts of shades in this where it sounds like you saw a lot more black and white
0: yeah i think yeah i don't know i just i think i think personally it it really did feel black and white and like you could feel the hand of the writer thinking that they were doing something you know i don't want to say clever because that sounds first of all it sounds like something michael snidell would say and i never want to do that (laughs) um (laughs) but it also just feels like it's a little reductive. Like, it just... It, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, so, like, <laughs> I, I don't mean to say... I don't want to say clever. Um, So, like, it just feels like it's it's very knowing. It's very predicated upon an idea. And and so, like, I was kind of on board early on when we we're just being introduced to, like, the bevy of cliched shitty dudes that she's meeting at these bars. Mm. Um, But I kept expecting, like, real human beings to appear at some point to complicate things and they just, they never did, which to me, yeah. you know, just is, is, uh, but
1: it, I, don't you also think that's exactly what Cassie was waiting for was for just someone nice to jump in and, and, and they never did.
0: Right. But like, you know, that's in, in life, those people exist. So it's, it feels a little too, a little too mechanized to ensure yeah. that those people never exist. Uh, we, and we can talk about the ending, when we get to the ending, sure. Um, but
1: even with the those guys, I guess there's that's very valid. Like that you're saying that in my reading of, I had a hundred percent no difficulty believing that in fact in every one of those situations that's how it would turn
0: out. Oh no, I because believe that that's, that's how my my it would turn out. In the
1: world, yeah.
0: Right, but like that's that's kind of that's kind of the thing. Is that it? Is a, I, I don't know that I could put this into the best terms like i just it just it felt it felt like that is what would happen but the reality seemed to be heightened and you don't really need to give those guys a lot of interiority or a lot of personality because they are an understood caricature though it is i don't know christopher Mintz plasts as the the coke Mm -hmm. line doing guy was really weird to me i was like
1: I love it. I thought he the, was perfect.
0: I mean, I <laughs> liked it. Well, <laughs> well, and it was the, just, it's such yeah, an interesting also, choice.
1: <laughs> such, no, in the casting throughout, I really appreciate it mm-hmm. because it was one of the few times I've watched a film and been so conscious that they were casting people who had character baggage with them and that <laughs> she was taking advantage of everything that we were presuming. Like when you see Adam Brody, you're like, oh, it's Seth Cohen. And you see McLovin and you see. Mm-hmm. Sam richardson from detroiters and you see um you know you you get all of this doc with it right like doc (laughs) yes that's exactly you see alfred molina man i
2: see mr frida Kahlo, excuse me
0: so the only (laughs) issue that i take with that is and again this goes to the ending is is the casting of um max greenfield (laughs)
2: No, but his
1: was perfect, too. His was perfect, too, except both he and Chris Lowell are guys who you have seen on in TV, especially as mm-hmm. nice guys. Like, he's Piz on Veronica yeah. Mars. Oh, I know Chris oh, Lowell. Oh, I
0: fucking hated Piz, though. So the second everybody, I saw him, I was like, he Piz, did it. of
1: okay. hates Piz, but Piz was also, like, the not consummate, like... Softest, wettest, nice guy. And you get that. <laughs> yeah. You get a sense of that. And you're like, oh, I fully believe these are the dudes that think they're doing the right thing. And I also fully believe that many of these kind of dudes, your McLovins, your Seth Cohen's, your Pizzes, are not making great choices when they think there's no consequences around.
0: You know, it's funny, actually. Max Greenfield was in Veronica Mars, too. I just remembered that.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's Leo. Evil Leo. Yeah. 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 I think you, um, you're you hitting something, Drea, that I am just sort of coming on to, which is this idea that the film plays with villain, villainy uh, in ways that are very familiar to me in real life, but not really familiar on the big screen. Because uh, on on the big screen, you don't think of rapists as uh, vulnerable or intellectual or whatever. Mm. Whereas in my Real life, especially when I was going to college, uh, the most mm-hmm. sexually disrespectful men at college were the ones that were like, I'm a sensitive English major. Mm-hmm. um, are like, I just <laughs> want to get to know you. And then later brag about uh, whose virginities they've taken and blah, blah, blah.
0: Well, it's, it, so, the, the movie actually brings it up when uh, Alison Bree's character is talking about like, oh, guys always want to date a feminist because they're in college and stuff. But then they just want a nice girl. And it's it made me think of like every time that like the loudest, most raw raw feminist guy got struck with a Me Too thing, and you're just like, well, yeah, obviously, like of course Joss Whedon's a piece of shit. Like, yeah, of course he is. <laughs> yeah.
3: mm-hmm. Sure. A lot of that seems more performative than, than reality, although, you know, it, it is interesting because a lot of this stuff, it, it has that double-edged sword where, you know, Joss Whedon did have a lot of great female characters in his stuff, and yet, mm. he it turns out, he's also just a huge asshole on top of everything <laughs> else. So, you know, I, I, think, I think the weird thing about our world is you can be both of those things, and that's that's the shame of it right it's it's not as easy to write off people especially you know it- continuing on that me two theme of of just like all the baggage of all these great artists that we have around that make great art and you're just like yeah but that person is such a piece of shit and it's like and it's not even oh they're just like a bad person no 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 like you, they've they've done worse than just being a bad person you know um they didn't just say mean things and so um You know i i think a lot of this kind of gets into the casting of just you know the fact that this is her first time directorial debut uh at least on feature feature length um you know she also was i guess the head writer she graduated to head writer for season two of killing eve um which is a a big get, and just the cast and and just the slick look of this film i mean it's it's pretty amazing and this is happening more and more i feel where first time directors are just really taking that that first time and just hitting it out of the park um and it's, it'll be curious to see, uh, I don't know if, how many of y'all have kind of paid attention to the news recently, but uh, she apparently landed a, a DC Zatanna film, um, which, uh, okay. None of the, that, <laughs> what
0: does that mean? You got to, what, uh, what is a Zatanna, Zatanna
3: film? Zatanna is a DC superhero. Oh. Uh, she I is a understand. magic wielder that... <laughs> Uh, all her, all her magic spells are actually just what she wants spelled backwards or said backwards. So <laughs> I don't, I can't come up with something like that off the top of my head because I'll fuck it up real good. But race car, uh, you know.
2: <laughs>
0: sh- sure, it, it, there's oh, a joke well, I, for all I, you uh, palindrome I got lovers it. out there. I'm
2: with you. I, <laughs> okay. I was gonna say Aviva, but. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Nice.
3: So, so it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what she does with that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of the fear a, a lot of people have. I know Brian, you in particular, and a lot of our, uh, you know, uh, background. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are just like, cool. They're going to make this great little indie production, and then go off and do a, you know, a superhero. It's like. the nineties like, all oh,
0: over again. You're just like, oh, please don't let their album get too successful. You know, uh, I don't want. <laughs> well, I don't all want of Chlo- to scoop. Yeah, up.
3: Chloe Zhao's
1: next film is also uh, yep. a superhero. Actually, so is the. Oh my gosh, there's a third woman. Is it Ava's doing one?
0: Ava's doing Duvernay? Yeah, she, yeah Duvernay. she's doing the new gods, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, mm-hmm. um it's this is, you know, we always like to champion, you know, progress in Hollywood and the growing of equality. So now it's so nice to see that they're not just giving uh giant multi million dollar franchise pictures to men who make an indie darling film. They're now getting the women in on it too.
2: <laughs> Patty Jenkins, that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> like they um, it. <laughs>
1: yeah, but that said, it's it's one of those things of oh, I, I, am I going to be sad to miss out on the the smaller films or more personalized visions they could be making instead? Or hopefully they'll play it more like actors who are established, of like the one for me, one for you. But also <laughs> getting this kind of perspective and artistry. In the superhero blockbuster genre, I am also okay with, if that's, like, something these women are excited about as artists, then, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. I'm not kidding anybody. I watch everything, but,
2: you know. I I liked Birds of Prey. Uh. I love Birds of Prey.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
3: I liked it, too. I know, Brian, you did not, but...
0: I it, don't even it, it remember. It sh- that's the worst part, Bill. I'd literally <laughs> have to go listen to the podcast that we did to remember my feelings on Birds of Prey. Because you, you say I don't like it, and that sounds like me. But the only parts yeah. I remember are parts I liked. But that's literally like 10 minutes worth of the film. So I can only imagine what the rest of it was. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead ruled.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm.
0: I just want hunters. a solo movie for her. Yeah, because she's... Yeah like nuts and doesn't understand people and it's like the best mm-hmm. i just wanted more yeah, of that
3: she was raised by assassins so. yeah she was raised yeah, by like she, some she,
0: weird mob no, assassin
3: family no no people skills there uh you know it, me it the strikes Hunter's me cut. though <laughs> <laughs> uh it strikes me though because uh the director of the old guard and I, i'm i'm forgetting her name gina right prince now. by the wood yeah yep. she uh, you know, I listened to a really interesting interview with her and she was talking about how like she positioned herself for that, uh, particular role or for that particular film and was like really gung ho about it. And, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of people from the outside are like, uh, she, you know, she, she took the easy gig and like, you know, wanted to make some easy money. And so she took a, a studio gig and it's like, no like a lot of these female directors just don't get the credit they deserve where they're like fuck yeah i want to do a big action film like why wouldn't i want to do that right you know and so i feel like it it's it's this push and pull of like yes they have to work with inside a system now but also they get a big badass budget and they get to do really cool shit and they're like this is kind of what i want to do like it's not it's not just a a i just traded in my cards for this it's no i i've I wanted to fucking do this
1: well yeah i mean it's kind of it's incredibly belittling to think that female directors don't also want to be blowing shit up like if you're a director and you get to play with things you're not just oh what i really want are just i want to make 30 films that are all about women talking about their feelings and then (laughs) it
0: doesn't have to be that though you could make a heist movie you could do whatever you want i just you know I'm right, not going to defend myself. Do- Fuck superhero movies. I'm goddamn tired of it. Do a movie about literally anything except for superpowered people. You can even you would still have watch explosions. Deborah
2: Granick's superhero movie.
0: No, I would fucking kill myself instantly <laughs> if I found out that that happened. Like this, this is I literally if if I know the person who's directing a superhero movie and I've liked their work in the past, I feel like I'm at the point now where I become less interested in that movie. Like it's just I'm just. I'm just tired of it. I'm just fucking sick of it. I loved the last year because we barely got any of that shit. And I just, I can't do it. And I don't know how we yes. got on this topic. You broke and I'm brain. sad that we did. But I'm about to lose my fucking mind. I just, I want, like, give me a Western. You know, give me something. Give me oh, anything. We had news You're of the
1: boring. world.
2: We just had a Western. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously.
0: Wait, was news a of the Western, world a Western
2: the whole ass yeah. 100 years of film. You have plenty of Westerns.
0: No, I know, but like, just I, I just, but we've also had a shit ton of superhero movies recently. I just don't want them anymore. I'm done with them. I'm fucking through. I can't. I literally can't. I just like <laughs> we can't. I'm feeling like I'm having a mental breakdown. Like it's well, not it's, like it's oh, why do women want to do this? It's why does anyone want to do this? Your well, your vision so never gets out. It gets squeezed by the machine. Like for fuck's sake, this shouldn't be a controversial opinion.
3: Last, last week, we almost did a podcast on Zack Snyder's Snyder Cut, mainly because of you, Brian. So
0: I don't we know what you mean. We all hated the movie we were talking about and thought it would be more interesting to talk about that the Snyder Cut.
3: That is not true. That is not true. Yeah, <laughs> Our you're bringing loved a lot
0: of baggage in. <laughs> well, yes, once fine. the guest showed up, we were like, oh, well, yeah, no, let's talk about news of the world. Or not news of the world. Wait, the world to come. <laughs> world to that's come. what I'm <laughs> thinking of. That's why I was confused when you Uh, said it was a Western.
1: Oh, I could definitely be like, see a lot of blinks coming to my mind if someone was trying to tell me (laughs) that the world to come was a Western. No, they
0: said they were in New York.
2: It's not the west. the west of Massachusetts. You know that's what that means.
0: I'm sorry, Bostonian. I forgot that everything you know on the other side of the Charles is the west to you.
2: It's very true. I live on the right side of the Charles, not the stinky <laughs> side.
0: Anyway, stinky side. So, okay. the Hollywood Boston politics side. and uh, the the burgeoning superhero market aside, uh "Promising Young Woman," a movie that we watched that is not a western or a superhero movie. Direct. Yes.
3: Um, Okay. Do we, I I, I know we want to have a little bit more discussion, but I do feel like we should quickly pivot to spoilers because I feel like so much of this is just, it's hard to talk around. But Robin, did you have you you wanted to say something? Oh,
2: I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting um, to bring to go back to what you were saying, Brian, about the impact of the film uh, in the home environment versus the uh, movie theater. Um, Because, Drea, I know you you probably saw it in a movie theater. You said you saw it at Sundance. No, because I saw it
1: before the festival, like during the programming process. Oh, okay.
0: So
2: you um, I saw it on a laptop okay okay no no it's (laughs) fine (laughs) i watch everything on the laptop i'm gonna watch lawrence of arabia on the laptop (laughs) like i have no judgment um because i was gonna say oh like maybe um maybe we're missing or brian and i are missing something because we have to see it large and in charge because i did not remember anything about alfred molina's character um and that uh, transformation that you described so it's like oh maybe if i was like totally glued to the screen in anticipation and thrill. uh maybe I would have uh, taken a little more away f- with me of the movie, but I guess that was negated. You tried. No, I tried. I, mean, I really wanted
1: I, I to saw, like this movie.
3: <laughs> I saw it on a screener too, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I didn't have any problems connecting with it. I I saw it and I also I think and maybe this is more um a separate entity but something that might have I saw it knowing nothing about it and mm-hmm. I do think there's something to be said once you get something and you've heard it if it's had any kind of buzz I think there's it's very easy to have like a sort of either uh, like a defensive smugness that comes up I certainly have mm-hmm. that like if I see things you know if it's been recommended to me so many times or it is so much buzz I'm like okay settle down it's head yeah, lasso Ted, oh, I love Ted Lasso.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like it too, but it's like yeah. annoying me.
1: <laughs> I know, it's everyone's favorite thing to talk about, but with with something like this, A, it has the buzz and then B, once you hit a marketing phase, it's something that if you watch a trailer or you even hear a pitch about, you can it's the kind of film that you can immediately think of what you think it will be like, and therefore mm-hmm. that can be the kind of film that can be disappointing, not in and of itself, but because of how it compares with the version that you were expecting. I've had that with other other things that I've heard a lot about before I saw them. But this yeah, one... Yeah, um,
0: that, that happens a lot. And I feel like, you know, anyone who's listened to this podcast long enough can hear me say at some point, like, it's so unfair to the movie, but <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I feel bad, but this is what's happening in my brain and I'm quite upset.
1: <laughs> right. It's a hard balance because you... It's good that you're saying it because you're acknowledging it and you can't deny it, but it is also sort of unfair that. And I find that too a lot of times that if my complaints veer from being a programmer to a producer, where they sound like I'm giving notes, it's like <laughs> this is some I'm, I'm past the point of notes helping. This is out in the world. Yeah. Um. But for me, when I saw it, I was so just struck by it, and I was immediately engaged. I also, I both saw bits of cassie i saw bits of myself in cassie the carrie mulligan character um and recognized her worldview i recognized so much of the idea of letting tragedy dictate your life not thankfully on a personal level but you know i've seen that you've seen it manifest in people that way and for her i also found it um as you know Many, Actually, just many humans in this country, on this planet, have either been victims of assault themselves or loved people who were victims and mm-hmm. were, were with them through that process or maybe later as they were finally coming to terms with it sort of mentally and emotionally and psychologically. And I think watching this was nice for not again not nice but um thoughtful for me in the sense that how it's set up because it's it's she, our main character is not the one who's been assaulted it's mm-hmm. her best friend and it's happened years before we get there and we never see the best friend and as such i watched it and found it opened so many doors to the sense that nina could be anyone. Nina could be me. Nina could be someone that's happened too close to me, um, that it, it allowed for a projection. But it was also so, so, so specific a story that it wasn't trying to be the reaction that every single um, a survivor would have. Because again, she's not a survivor. You know, I mean, other than we're yeah. all surviving this world together, you guys. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I found... I found there were so many thoughtful touches that allowed inroads for me as an audience member, taking this in to either become a, you know, have her be a surrogate for me or invite me into a new perspective. And it's such a heightened and like theatrical way. You know, what she's doing Mm -hmm. is not something people do. People don't fake being drunk and go out and get in these scenarios to like, it's the equivalent. It's she's 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 like a cutter, but you, no, that's mm. a terrible analogy. But no, you know, what I'm i, I, like, no, I think saying a very that that.
2: interesting analogy. <laughs> okay,
1: good. Like, right, she's I was doing about... this very dramatic thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, as a survivor and a friend of survivors, and uh, I don't know, I, I found myself personally attached to like so many parts of this movie that it's almost surprising to me that I didn't like it more. But I think part of the problem is that as as a person who's lived through I don't know like four of the different kind of roles that this movie puts forward I um I just never found that it it connected with them in a real way beyond kind of being about this this story and how it ends in this sort of anti catharsis for me like it that was that was kind of my problem is that like Nina being a void made me furiously angry um because she was a human being and not just the motivator for this woman's revenge. And I don't know. It, it's um like I said, there's, there's a lot of stuff in my past that has happened to me or people I know that, that gave me, I won't say insights into this movie, but that, that helped me to, to find the moments in this. I that, that should have had a drink before this podcast. Um, <laughs> that just like that gave me an insight in a way to the portions of this movie that made me find the way that it was dealing with them to be distasteful in a way that the movie I am not sure wants me to find distasteful.
1: Sure. I, and I, I fully appreciate that. And I think it's, it's that thing of every person working through trauma, you've experienced it differently and therefore your steps out of it are different. And so seeing anything portrayed is going to, It's going to poke a different bruise in different people. For me, when I watched it, I found it, like I said, like it opened doors that that I was grateful for and happy to see. But I certainly understand in the same way of... Like, it's like the idea of how people handle forgiveness differently. There's Mm -hmm. acts of forgiveness that enrage me, which is a ridiculous sentence. Like, forgiveness should never enrage me. And it certainly does sometimes. And so something like this movie, which is a lot of potential bruises for people, I can certainly see more than, you know, you're not probably going to watch Jurassic Park and worry that whatever you're bringing to the table is going to really color how you're watching it. Promising Young Woman, certainly life experiences are going to affect how you see this movie in a way different. Look, my lawyer was killed at
0: a zoo, so (laughs) Jurassic Park is very difficult.
1: That's my bad, Brian. I should have guessed. I'm so sorry.
0: No, there's been a lot of fucked up shit in my life, but my attorney being murdered by an escaped animal at the zoo is shockingly not one of them.
1: (laughs) Well, never say never.
0: Yes, well, that's
1: <laughs> You don't know what your attorney's up to right now.
2: <laughs> give us hope for the future.
3: <laughs> give, them, give them a text.
0: Even worse, Same. it was Are a Komodo okay? dragon. So, you know, the reptilian aspect really got close.
2: Komodo dragons, man.
0: They keep coming they keep up.
2: Coming up. Yeah, they're gonna
0: come up even more when we talk about that fucking nonsense we're talking about next week. What is that? Godzilla, Godzilla versus King versus... Kong. Yeah. I think yeah. here's just another. Here's Kong. another thing. I think I might hate movies now. I don't know what's <laughs> happened to me.
2: Fine. Let's do a TV podcast. I am so ready.
0: Okay. <laughs> you you picked the first show. Uh, <laughs> um. R-EIC yes. I, I just up. realized like as I'm talking about like all the movies we've talked about and how much I like didn't want to watch them or talk about them. And then I'm already shit talking Godzilla versus Kong. And I'm like, maybe I need to retire. Like maybe I just hate media now.
2: Maybe it you're in a pandemic day. and it maybe is
3: slowly asphyxiating right yeah.
0: I've been holding it together really well. Uh, he said, lying. Um,
1: <laughs> Listen, you haven't yet been eaten by um, an animal in a zoo. So,
0: can't go to the Still zoo attacked. there's a I pandemic think, i would love to be attacked by an animal in the zoo right now
3: i think what you need brian is pre-cut onions i think, I think yes!
0: that give you, no bill i need uh, the act of chopping easy. an onion to, to help me feel some level <laughs> oh of control over this world of ours
2: um speaking <laughs> of animals at the zoo and also brian hating the world of cinema i think you should see bad <laughs> trip on netflix because i really needed uh, to wash my brain after the trauma of watching um king kong on friday and that movie made me super uncomfortable but it was like my stomach hurt from laughing so Wait, much have you during... seen
0: you've seen God- kong versus godzilla or whatever no,
2: no 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 no. i watched king kong on friday and it was like oh sure. tr- it was like a horror movie which and one ne- the original like the 33
0: it was a so horror husband- movie
2: it, yeah, it's a scary movie. Oh yeah, I don't know if you. Oh, okay, I, you said wash your
0: brain, and I thought you meant it in a bad way. So I was no, like I ticking through. To, like,
2: get out of the mode of discomfort or whatever. Yeah, that movie is Got fucking you.
0: nonstop. By the way, yes,
2: that movie is nonstop. Yes. It's it totally eats your brain. So we watched Bad Trip on Netflix. <laughs> um It's the Eric Andre meets Borat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, Lil Rel Howery is in it. Um, Rashida uh not Rashida Jones. Um, Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish. Haddish. Why did I say Rashida Jones?
3: I don't know. I had no idea. Is it. <laughs> Two very <laughs> different <Come> people.
2: <laughs> and that movie uh was so funny and so like silly that I think you need to um you know have a have a baptism by silly comedy to get back into the fray of enjoying film. Maybe. So that's my that might be what I need. Tangent. That's your recommendation? Yes.
0: You've got one shot. I don't shot. know that
2: particular film. You've got one shot to insane. win me
0: back to cinema, <laughs> and you're pinning your hopes on. on Bad a Trip. Really,
2: it, it's a it's a satire of rom coms. It's got a lot of gross humor, which I always enjoy, um, and I thought it was super super funny um it's probably not everybody's taste but i think for you brian this is my um this is my prescription all right well if i therapist. watch
0: it and i still hate movies i'm uh naming you in the tweet where i announced that i'm quitting life
2: <laughs> that's fine that's fine
0: gonna at you at you so hard
2: please at me please at
0: me. um so I let's will like that tweet <laughs> let's talk spoilers <laughs> um so, yeah,'ll
1: <laughs> I'll jump into it. So, in terms of the ending, one of the things that struck me so much, so if 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 anyone has not seen it but really wants to hear the spoilers, basically, the um perpetrator of her best friend's assault is getting married. Cassie finds out about it. She dresses up like a stripper, shows up drugs all of the men at it which I was thankful she did because all I could think of until she said she did that was girl there are so many dudes mm. downstairs um is so uh probably telling that I said that it gave me relief to find out she drugged them all but <laughs> you know we can let that go and anyway she ties him up she confesses who she is she wants to mark him with her best friend's name in this sort of just whatever it was cathartic for her, um, because that's you know, her friend became a totem for just this guy and this deed. And um, and he gets the upper hand and instead strangles her, leaves her there, and so she's become the stripper that got killed at a bachelor party. And one of the things that I appreciated most about this ending was was the idea of as people that we, as we seem to be in the same age range, how many either movies or references or jokes I've heard in my lifetime that start with the stripper slash sex worker getting killed at a bachelor party and then comedically yes. hide their body. Yeah, and This movie ending with that in a way that I didn't see coming. And then as soon as it happened, I was like, oh yeah, there was no other way for this to end and that idea of i've been complicit like i watched those movies and watched them like oh god you guys we got to get rid of this body it's gonna ruin our life Mm -hmm. oh this thing happened to me and never parsing further that woman's background her possible connection to these characters so there was something about taking this ugly trope And building it into something that at that point had become so, like you were saying, Robin, like the pop colors, like it's this absurdist fantasy, you know, there's, it's, it's like 90% our world
2: and then not at all. And And that's like 10% Joker.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so, and having that trope factor into it was so meaningful to me because then it, it made me sort of revisit how many times I have unblinkingly consumed that part without giving it
2: any weight or any bearing? You know what I mean? Any, oh, any absolutely! Sort of very also, bad things. It, There's The Godfather yes. Part Two. There's Rough Night, and those were like the just the first three that point that come to my mind. Can you yeah. guys think of any?
0: I this is something that I've never seen in a movie before. And what? I don't. I don't even remember it being in the Godfather. So clearly, I haven't no, seen. No Godfather
2: movie Part one. Two, where they like frame yeah. uh, the senator or the the congressman by leaving a dead sex worker in his uh, hotel room and making him think he accidentally killed this woman, so that he's now in with the mob. Yeah. Anyway. So but the, it totally is a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh yeah, I, I assume it is. I cuz I've heard the joke before, but I've never seen it in action. I do think that Max Greenfield I don't know how to say this, like he's great in that scene.
1: He's so good in that. It,
0: that scene he, becomes yeah, instantly yeah, yeah. Ho- like hilarious because he like and it's it's he's like really channels that Schmidt energy. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if that's the right choice, but I do but know that I laughed out loud to myself in my living room. So, like, maybe. <laughs>
1: right. But I found that, per- like, to me, his energy and why I was saying I was agreeing with you, like, the casting of him and thinking of Schmidt, another good guy, but also that, like, manic bro. I'm I'm a bro <laughs> dude who wears a, t- you know, tie to work. That guy. that having that energy come into play right then when this has just happened and this woman we've been with this whole time is now dead and we're like wait what our person like our main person is dead and I still got 20 minutes on this clock like that to me was a perfect example of utilizing the casting and and tone shifting again because what we're getting from that is then now we're into the Bachelor Party movie. Do you know what I mean? Now it is the yeah. hijinks of, come on, bro, you got to help me. We're bros for life. Bros before this hoe that you assaulted <laughs> a friend. Like, bros before this one hoe. Bros before this hoe that you just killed a human person. Like, so for me, having it be him and having it be this elevated, like, bro, bro, go, we got to get this body. Let's go burn it. Like, that was, oh, yeah, I know that movie. I know that joke. And now I also have the hour and a half beforehand with this woman and her complexities, to add weight to that joke. And they're all doctors.
2: Don't like you know, in my they wrong? should
1: they should know better ways to get rid of a body. Is that what you're saying?
0: I was gonna say like, it did strike me as crazy that they were like, "Well, burn her," and I was like, "You just bury her. Just bury her for fuck's sake." Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: a they should know better anatomically, one hundred percent. But number two. Uh, I think just I think framing this whole thing around medical school was was a very interesting choice um, mm-hmm. because they could have been lawyers and could have been able to argue their way around anything. Uh, but instead, they're all about care. And like that, that's the whole thing about being a doctor is you're entrusted uh, with with care of other people and you take that Hippocratic oath. Um, so I just thought that was like another very interesting layer that she added in. And I, and I don't think it was too clever by any means. Um, I think it was, I think it was a kind of an interesting commentary on Fennell's part about say like the, the Umish case. It was Umish, right? Um, the, the gymnastics doctor or yeah. you know, oh, any, yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it was like that wink wink, but that's certainly what, um, what, that reference felt like to me as a as a reader of the news and as somebody who uh you know follows these these cases um which kind of goes back to my issue with the movie which is it uh it just all kind of felt like neat um as somebody who you know cares a lot about these issues politically and and follows these different cases and you know thinks about femicide and all that kind of stuff so i kind of wanted it to do a little more but i understand why why a lot of people did like it for me the i
1: would i would feel that way if it was both neat and happy but this Mm -hmm. is not a happy ending do you know what i mean like it is neat entirely because cassie put the time in to recognize that she was putting herself in a dangerous situation as she did the entire time she was putting herself out there and prepared for what the you know possibilities could be and how she could still get some sort of justice from there and so because it wasn't like the coincidental like if that lawyer had like oh you know I got invited this wedding and I wasn't gonna go and now I'm gonna go (laughs) and then when he was parking he happened to park by her body do you know what I mean like that yeah yeah shut it down but this was this woman that was intelligent enough to be doing well at med school was obvious definitely in a free dive deep dive whatever like she yeah. was free falling that's the word I'm looking for she was in a free fall but she planned it out and so it was neat that way but it still didn't feel like it, like if it had end with her being like oh and now I'm better and now yeah. I would say I would have been like well you just ruined this whole thing for me because you would not be better yet my friend
3: Well, I think one thing that's interesting is this idea of of neatness and and things like that. Because, uh, you know, when I watched her plan go down, as soon as, not even just that he got free, but as soon as I kind of understood her plan, I was like, this is a very messy and very, like, A, he knows who she is, right? Um, Who is
2: the he? Piz?
1: Muro.
3: yeah, Piz, yeah, like definitely recognizes her. Um, He even mentions, I I think, uh, the the woman's name as well. Like he, that was a very interesting moment. If if I'm not mistaken, Uh, you know, I've I haven't watched this in a couple of months, but I'm pretty sure as soon as she mentions, uh, as soon as, God damn it, I'm so bad
0: with names uh,
3: yeah as, as soon as cassie, cassie
0: says nina he says oh that's dark
3: <laughs> yeah and he like he recognizes what's what's going on he recognizes absolutely like like what happened and everything
1: she like has that. to she has to kind of talk him into it i mean he doesn't recognize her right away and he doesn't know she says her name is nina and he's like oh mm-hmm. haha like he doesn't connect those dots she leads him to those dots
3: hmm. But like as soon as that situation just kind of started to unfold, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, this like I don't see a cathartic ending happening out of the situation as soon. And so as soon as he got free, I was like, oh, fuck. This is, you know, and so to me, that was what was surprising was not necessarily that she was going to try and, and take revenge on on him and, and the group, but more that she would put herself in a situation where it almost seemed like she was either going to get away with it or she wasn't and neither of those scenarios was necessarily going to be uh super fucking helpful for her i don't think i mean even if she had gotten away with it i don't know if she would be happy you know and and that was kind of the exactly. thing that was the thing that everybody else was kind of talking to her uh, uh, you know talking around her about was like i don't understand like what you're doing with your life and and that's not to take away from anyone else ever feeling that way and getting stuck in a rut right like that's fine that's some people just grieve differently some people really take mm-hmm. it hard and can't find them find their way out of it but as soon as she kind of drove into that uh bachelor party I I just had a a sickening feeling and just, you know, immediately thought, oh, no, this like there's no way that anyone wins out of this situation. And, you know, I think it's even it, it strikes me because seeing her die and then getting the ending that we did, I didn't feel a sense of happiness at all. Just like kind of what you're saying, Dre, like I was still in like a foul mood at the end of the movie. Like I wasn't like, yeah, I was like, fuck. Right. Like, right. Like nobody's winning in this situation at all. But you she know? was
2: also never winning. I mean, that's the thing. Like she's yeah. doing um, these, these scenarios where she lures. <laughs> that's like, what a, was she a siren like goes home with these guys uh, pretending to be drunk Uh um you know and then confronts them but every time she does that (laughs) and she ticks something off her her box she's not she's not hurting them it's you know it's not a um a gore movie or anything but she's she's Mm -hmm. never satisfied she's not like it, the the revenge she or whatever doing it. She, yeah she keeps she's doing also it, never proven
1: like, wrong yeah yeah i think for me in in terms of her mental state by the end and and i I'm, I'm not a nihilist and i i'm i'm someone who ho- would hope that everyone could find an optimism in their life and this but this character we've seen you know her whole worldview has been shaped by this she has allowed it to Overwhelm everything. She's continually in a place where she is never proved wrong by her new belief or disbelief system, specifically in men. And then, you know, the catalyst for all of this is that we get this whole middle section where she's falling in love. Which, when you know, when I first talked about like the tonal things, I love like that. Emerald Fennell was like, "Also, I can do a rom com if you need me. I'm available. (laughs) I have a whole like." Sweet moment dancing and singing in a freaking drugstore or whatever. To Paris Hilton. But we have all that to Paris Hilton. And we have even Beau Burnham, who is like the world's nicest, most charming, self deprecating dude who's gotten her to lower her defenses. Maybe she's going to. And then that guy also fails her. And in a way that I, again, fully believed. Like, Yes. I believed he was there and watched it. Yes. I believe that that was his reaction. It didn't seem like, Oh, a heel turn from this nice guy. Never. Like I believed that. And so for her, like if the last, her last, you know, sort of grab onto her own humanity was all right, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to try with this guy. I'm going to let myself be as vulnerable and soft and living life as I can. And then that also let her down like I, and I'm fully with you that when mm-hmm. I finish this in terms of no, if you finish promising young woman being like, Yeah, man, <laughs> you need to look deeper in yourself and what you want from people or movies, but I found it um effective, not like satisfying, but so yeah. effective. Well, so my my, kinda, it
0: so my my kind of my kind of question coming out of this was if mm. Like was she, was Emma Fennell made to change the ending of this movie? Like, wh- like it feels like the movie is is because of everything we've seen about Cassie, like begging to end with the guy getting away with it and being happy and her just being dead in a field, it burned. Yeah, to ash. her
1: first her first ending was that it ended with the body with her body being burned, um, and then the second one that she didn't want to do. This was the one she like then decided to do but was um the basically something that was a little more hokey of like her getting like them getting caught through other things and not like her putting it in play like something that mm. again felt more sort of happenstance um you know she wanted it that Cassie got to dictate things but yes you're totally right like her initial read from the interviews that I've read was to end with the just
3: with burning at the the bottom
0: right because to me i honestly this movie would have been great if that's how it ended i i don't i think that to me Mm, the the way that it ends is bad it's like there's there's a lot that's bad about it i um we could get into all of it or we can just like point to other people but i think the fact that she wins even in her death, is... She does not win. She does win. No. She gets the guy. The guy is brought to prison. You know, people learn what happened. Like, that... The movie posits that as a win scenario, even if she had to die to win. You know? Like, not only is he now, you know, outed as, you know, being a rapist, but now he's a murderer, and now he gets to go to jail for that. And it's, like... You know, when the cops roll up I at guess, the end of the movie and arrest the villain, that's a victory. And even if you died achieving it, it's still a victory. Like there's so many movies that end with the hero either dead or fully defeated. But then like, oh, but they like, you know, mailed a letter and like, you know, the the, the, the forces of good in the world are going to get them. You know, it's I, yeah. I and, guess I never
1: I, think of those as wins. It doesn't feel like a win to me.
0: Yeah, I agree Yeah. Is she a... I'm sorry, what?
2: Is she a martyr?
0: I mean, it kind of feels like it, but, like, so the the movie feels like it should be building towards, like, like, her dying for nothing. Like, because honestly, like, that's... it. it, Like, and people in her life tell her, like, you're doing all this for Nina or because of Nina, but, like, I don't believe that Nina would want this. Like, this is... And, you know, I think the fact that, like, we never see Nina. Obviously, we can't because she's dead, but, like, there's no there's no flashbacks or nothing. So like all we have to go on is what we're hearing from this girl when she talks about her. And it's just, it's very difficult for me to then personify Nina as anything beyond this ideal. And I feel like the, as, as her, as the actual victim, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of self, uh, I don't want to say aggrandizing, but sort of like, you know, to, to take the, the pain of your friend and then utilize it for your own means in that way is is a self-destructive and selfish thing to do. And for the movie to end with all these guys getting their comeuppance because of what she's doing, it, it feels like it's trying to vindicate her for that and her worldview and what she had been doing. And like... And it's, I think
2: that's why Drea's, uh metaphor about cutting was so apt. Oh
0: yeah, one hundred percent. Like, you know, it, it 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 doesn't feel like she's like it's it's funny that the IMDb thing says revenge. She's not looking for revenge. She's seeking At all, yeah. She's seeking yeah. catharsis. Um, and it's and it's it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Like it's yeah. it's weird. And like I said, it's it's odd for me because of all the ways that I am attached. to to incident in this movie, like as a person who was taken advantage of when I was drunk, as a person who had a friend who was taken advantage of when she was drunk and none of her friends believed her, but I did. And then I decided that I was going to go to like every party I could and wait to see someone do something. So I could like fucking murder them, like beat the living shit out of them. And then after I got over that nonsense, because, and we talked about this when, Mm -hmm. when we had that whole conversation about, um, what uh what what Liam Neeson had said and I was like (laughs) yeah I've done that like I fucking did that like for a good solid semester of college like I would go to parties with my female friends and just like observe and wait and like nurse a single warm beer all night because I wanted to see someone do this thing that happened to my friend so that I could kick someone's fucking head in and then I realized like that's not helping anyone that's the worst way to go about doing this and so then I, like, the literal Eagle Scout I am turned myself into, like, the slightly drunken designated driver of every single human being in my life. Like, to the point where I had a friend who would go to the bars almost every night, and when she would get too drunk, she would call me, and it was my job to, like, come and get her and all of her drunk friends and drive each of them home individually, and... I ended up doing that so much that like, I would meet strangers in bars who were clearly too drunk and I'd be like, come on, let's, let's get you goddamn home. And then I would get them home. And there was one night that was particularly weird. I, there were two independent girls who I, I saw like staggering outside, not able to light cigarettes. And I was like, all right, you know, do you, do you need to go somewhere? And they're like, yeah, like we're at this dorm and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, all right, look, my car's right over here. I can drive you there. It's freezing. We we get in my car. I'm pulling out. And then I see a different person literally passed out in the middle of a parking space, like an empty parking space in the parking lot. And I'm like, okay, you two stay in the car. I'm going to go check on this person. And I like woke them up, pulled them to their feet and put them in the car. I was like, man, where are you going? And the girls were (laughs) like, what are you doing? Do you know him? I was like, no, I don't know you either. Clearly, this is my thing. So we're going home. I need to know where he lives. Like you know, it's. It Did was. Anyone
2: ever think that you were a victimizer? By like,
0: yeah, I was oh, about almost one hundred percent. That's this is, the thing. It's like, I was like, you know, like, yeah. If I if I'm like the guy, like that's the problem. Is that like in this movie, you actually kind of see like the guys who are like, oh, like yeah, go take her home. But like, I was actually doing it because I was like, yeah, I'm not going to let them get picked up by the kind of guy who would do that. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Um, I I. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, my weird Eagle Scout brain works that way where I'm just like, look, I can't I couldn't stop it from happening, my friend. I'm not going to solve anything with violence. The best I can do now is to like, I don't know, turn into a Be firefighter a and like, you know, just actually look out for people who are in trouble and not wait for people to get further into trouble so I can avenge them. Mm mm-hmm. It was really weird. Um, There was also one night when I went to go pick up my super drunk friend where I was walking past a pizza place and a guy fell through a plate glass window. So before I could go pick her up, (gasps) I had to start pulling glass out of this guy's head uh, while the ambulance took its sweet ass time getting there. Um, So that was fun because he fell out, is laying on the the ground behind me. And then I see his friends rush out with a bunch of paper towels that they're about to (laughs) shove in his face. And I was like, don't you goddamn dare do that. Bring me a cup of water. And I like poured it over his head, looked for where the blood came from, pulled the glass out, you know. Oh my God,
2: liability issues.
0: Right. And then the best part is I went to the so I go to the club that my friend is at, and I'm like, I'm late. Oh my god, like what if something happened while I was gone? And like the bouncer's like, Hey look, man, it's like a five dollar cover. So I pull out a five dollar bill from my pocket, but my hands are covered in blood. Nice. And he, and oh, he just looked honey. at it, looked at me, and then I was like, "I need to wash my hands." And he let me in. Why did he let me in?
2: Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Jesus Christ. You wanted of, of, that none of these five dollars?
2: <laughs> no, oh, it's all God. crazy. And all I can think is bloodborne diseases, and this guy's gonna sue you.
0: No, no one knew who I was, and I also stopped his friends from shoving glass into his eyes. So you know, oh, I did a good job. <laughs> I don't know. That was the thing. Like, I, I did. I went on like the Liam Neeson, you know, Cassandra in this movie kind of path. And then I was like, no, I got to like pivot. I got to do something else. It was weird. I had a weird, I had a weird couple of years back there.
3: <laughs> so getting, getting back to the movie real quick. Um, one thing that I, I'm reading now that I think is really interesting. Apparently there's a deleted scene where yeah. Cassie has a a bruise from a previous encounter from previous night where a you know i don't even know what how the fuck to phrase this the person that attempted to uh do something bad to her that took her home uh actually got physically violent and she i guess you know had a had a bad situation like that and uh apparently you can still kind of see those encounters. They're by in the tally marks, re- aren't they? Yes. The red marks are yeah. the ones where they actually got violent. And so, you know, we're seeing all the soft kind of, oh shit, you know, kind of moments where... You know, the the people kind of, you know, sober up and are like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to get away with this thing and just kind of like freak out and let her go. But, you know, we don't ever see like the physical altercation ones, which, you know, undeniably, you do this to a certain amount of people, you're going to get a physical altercation at some point, you know, and. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I had actually assumed because they make such a point of showing she had one of those clicky pens that has the four colors in it. And then mm. you could see the, the tally marks were in different colors. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's a coding system. Mm-hmm. And we saw her put down, I don't remember what the color was, but let's say blue. And that was because she just had like a verbal exchange or whatever. But like, even with McLovin, like she's commenting, like at one point that, you know, his fingers inside her like it's not Mm -hmm. like she's just fully walking away just with you know trying sure sure. time but yes i i i didn't know that that makes sense that there's a the cutout scene or feel like i'd heard about that but i certainly never saw it um and that's what i mean too of that she's going into these i i would hope with the idea of like prove me wrong, prove me wrong, prove me wrong, just be a good guy, take me home, whatever. But that also braced for any kind of eventuality with each of them. Mm-hmm. And her sort of discare of what happened to her and her person.
0: I guess <laughs> I did keep waiting for the tally marks to get explained or something. I don't know, like, because I, I did, I definitely noticed yeah, it's the like, different okay, colors. You have
2: a data collection system, but like, what about it?
0: Right. Like and I, you know, I'd have to go back and watch, which I won't do. But like, you know, I I wonder what the difference is between what McLovin did and what uh Seth Cohen did because they got different colors, right?
1: Yeah. To me it was pretty straightforward. Like it was pretty self-evident that they were just like different levels of engagement. Like some didn't ever touch her, but were what like I was just like it's, it's like, you know, when you don't know the bases, oh, you got to third base and nobody knows what the mm. bases are. Like to me, it was versions of like whatever her bases were like, oh, this guy actually took my underwear off or this guy h- hurt me or this guy just like kept pawing me above the clothes or whatever it is.
2: And, and mm. then you question, at what point did each of those things happen? Like, did somebody physically attack her after her re- reveal?
0: I mean, I would that assume was... that it would have yeah. to be.
2: Or, I guess if somebody she, physically if got... could... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 please. Oh, I was just saying, like, they could have gotten violent while she was still pretending to be drunk, too. So I think there's, like, yeah. that's different yeah. levels.
0: Well, I think if you're, you know, in any way engaging a woman physically while she's too drunk to move that is a style of violence um it just it feels like the reds are probably like reacted with anger like i thought that the colors were going to be there only based upon their reaction after her reveal because it seems as though she decides to make her reveal i wouldn't say capriciously but like at a whim because like Adam Brody. At what
2: point does she have enough?
0: Right, like Adam Brody takes her underwear off, and she's like, "Excuse me," uh, but then McLovin apparently is able to get a finger in her, and then she says, "Like, so, like, w- at what point is she saying, like, okay, now a is the moment sentence. of maximum impact?"
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I think the the four color pen is a really strong um, observation and like a really smart idea. Either either if she put that in the script or if the production designer, um you know, put that on the screen, because what what is interesting to me about Cassie is her regression. Um, mm-hmm. Is, you know, she's 30-ish, uh, would have probably been a doctor for several years, half a decade, um, if she had stayed in, in college or a medical school. And instead, she sort of has this aesthetic of somebody... Who is in arrested development I mean like it like ostensibly She's a loser I mean that's how Like anybody would um, Think of her you know w- outside of this Context it's like oh you know that That chick's like
0: she's yeah. just
2: Stayed in The mindset of a 22 year old or a 23 year old And and you see that visually with Her um, with her fashion Choices and you see that in the Way she Um is so nostalgic about, you know, and this is where the music comes in. And that's why I keep bringing Mm -hmm. up the, the score and the soundtrack because she is very much staying in that nostalgic space. She won't ever let herself move forward because to move forward is to lose the memory of Nina. Um, And so she keeps herself sort of like, she keeps almost like re-traumatizing herself, you know, cutting that same scar over and over again, um, just to get a uh, to well, I don't want to say just to get a rush like that's so cliche. Part of it is that rush that's that doesn't really come, and maybe she's desensitized to to that that thrill of that gotcha thrill. But also, she does it because it's like her tribute to to Nina. Um, and we talked a little bit about how you know, like, Drea you said she's a totem in her mind, or she's she's almost like. Her humanity, like Nina's humanity is like the whole purpose of this endeavor. And yet the more that Cassie engages in this type of self-harm, it seems like the more she's almost like disrespecting Nina's memory. And so I, I thought that was like a hmm. really interesting swirl of uh, regression and sort of going back into that or staying in that mental space of being a younger person and seeing like the whole world kind of move forward but you kind of double down you sink your teeth into the things that um mm-hmm. were a part of your part of your trauma or like a part of that flashbulb memory and I, and i i know i do this <laughs> you know with certain things in my life um you know that helped me stay grounded in in the feelings of like traumatic events but i i definitely saw how she stays in that so like the aesthetics It's not just like, oh, we're going to make this like flashy movie with lots of colors. Like it's a very deliberate choice. Right. um, I love
1: love you using the word regression because I, I definitely agree with that. And I definitely see so much of it is her clinging to this pain she feels is also one of the last connective threads she has to Nina. But I think there's something broader to the idea of. Being a woman, like when she's a young woman, she's in med school, she has this world ahead of her, she has this best friend, she has all of this, and then to have this thing happen to her friend, and then to have all of like the authority figures and the elements around her that should be set up, that if you live your life safely, we see this all the time right now in in so many different contexts, but people who live their lives by the rules and feel safe and all that comes with that. And as soon as that's disrupted and then you are all of like, oh, Oh, the authority figures are not going to be on the right side of things with this. Oh, the, mm-hmm. you know, the all of the systems even in the the society, this Dean. The Dean was the like whole, the worst one of them all. He's, yes, yeah. and I thought that, and again, Connie Britton, like you've cast this woman mm-hmm. that we know as being like this empathetic maternal wife character. And so for me, like it's not just a regression because of pain, although that's certainly it, and loss and grief and anger. It's also, she does not, understand the world anymore this is yeah yeah. like a beautiful white woman smart educated good family like taken care of and had this thing happen to someone (laughs) near her thin had someone something happen horrible to someone near her to the point that that person then died by suicide and Instead of that ever, like, instead of what, you know, that person, that girl has always been raised to say of, oh, how the world is going to treat this sort of vacuum or this sort of happening. And then none of that happened, that there's no justice. There's no, there's none of that. The world no longer makes sense to her. And so why should she try and move forward with it? Because the world no longer makes sense. Every time I try and like, are these what's where's the Prince Charmings that I grew up hearing about? Where's the like and and it is this idea of like, oh, everything I ever thought was delusional and I live in a privileged bubble. Oh, and it's all actual garbage and nightmare, then yeah, then of course she's just gonna be like, Right, let's surround myself in garbage and nightmare. That's
2: that's yeah. more real. And surround herself in, in the um the visual reminders mm-hmm. of the probably the apotheosis of her friendship with nina like i'm thinking right? like middle school and the- she
1: fully wears middle <laughs> school she has like the floral shirts she yeah. has like like coral colored jeans <laughs> you're like of oh, the she's tiny it's carrie mulligan so i'm like i guess you could still get those in the junior section <laughs> i could not regress so easily in my wardrobe
2: but Neither uh, could, well, you, I. You
3: could You could always go to the thrift shop, right?
0: These things are trendy now.
2: Um, I don't have great Bless luck at your thrift heart. shops. Yeah, very.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. This is Bill. Pre-cut onions have three wardrobes. Graham talking right now.
2: Thrift shops do not often carry my size, and so I'm oh, always yeah. like, that sounds like a nice idea theoretically but then you go there and you're like oh and you're no like great where's go. the shoe section yeah exactly oh i wish We <laughs> I about this before, but i would but ever I have buy
0: both short feet shoes.
2: and white feet. <laughs> <laughs> i just horrified
1: brian i, I would wear, wear thrift, thrift, thrift shop boxers before bed. i
0: wore thrift, stop sh- thrift shop shoes. thrift shop shoes
1: thrift shop shoes that's funny there's, there's you can an, always
0: wash them
3: i guess that could be,
1: be yeah <laughs> yeah That could be your second litmus, though. You can either ask people, would you buy pre-cut onions or would you wear
2: thrift shop shoes?
0: Exactly. (laughs) I
2: feel like thrift shop bras would be a lot more questionable. Way more. Way more. A lot more. Okay, this does remind me of a story where I tried to join fashion club in high school and I brought in some (laughs) old bras of mine um at for a drive that we were doing like uh like donate your clothes and nobody knew who who had donated what so all these girls were like picking through stuff and they're like ew somebody brought their bra and they were like this thing is huge and they were like <gasps> putting it on their heads <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like, bitches Bitches, you're jealous. First of all, second of all, it was, yeah. like, it was that shame moment that like still sits with you. That's a real Judy Bloom story right there. <laughs>
0: I know. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> say God. God rest her Bitches. soul, but that was Beverly Cleary. That was
2: Beverly it? Cleary. Yeah. I know. Yeah, Judy Bloom's definitely still alive and making a lot of money right now because they she just licensed out like a whole bunch of her uh, books to be to be adapted. So I'm really looking forward to that. Good for her. Bloom yeah. on. Judy Bloom. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. But um I forgot what we were talking about thrift shops. Clothes. Uh, the the clothes, clothes and
1: aesthetics yeah. in, the, yeah. in the movie, which I totally totally agree with.
2: The nails. <laughs> I love that. The wig. I mean the the costuming. Well, there's
1: also something too. It's funny there was this uproar because
2: um I believe it was the
1: variety review from Dennis Harvey. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that mentioned and, and it wasn't it was not. It did not come across like I think he wanted it to come across, clearly. But I also, the point he was making, I got it, but I read it differently because he says something about how her, you know, even her clip-on hair and her clothes, like they look like an afterthought, whereas like Margot Robbie would have looked like fitting. And for me, the time that she looks the worst in the sense of like she just looks like like it reminded me you know in the little mermaid the souls that the that oh Ursula yeah gets. and she's yeah. just like rah, like i was getting this very like oh you are just a wraith and she's it's when she it's the sam richardson scene and she's put like she has this clip on long ponytail and it's ugly and she has this dress that's like one shoulder so she has this bare arm mm-hmm. and i loved it because the balance of on one hand i'm like yes our whole lives what's the most attractive thing a very thin blonde woman like with makeup and do you know what I mean like glamour oh, yeah. and, it's and the such, eyes are yes, really popping exactly she's very heavy like um Cat eye, like smudgy eye, smoky eye thing. But instead, we're getting, I'm like, yes, this is a very thin blonde in n- uh, nightwear, but she looks terrible, right? Like, I looked at her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, You're supposed to think haggard whole-
2: or slaggy. Exactly. It's but like that was on purpose. <laughs> right, <laughs> the right. The like, characterization. Every, exactly.
0: Every scene was was like that. And I don't say exactly. that it's like, a, ew. Exactly. Like, you no, know, she never looks good in this movie. Mm-hmm. And but I don't she, think that's. I don't it's think a funny, that's
1: funny. It's it's perfect, right? Like she doesn't it's like she it's like you can see that she's trying for this sort of archetype of whatever, but she's not all human anymore. She's like she's a, you know, Ursula sea creature thing. Yeah. And so no matter what like she's smeared on her face or but there is a there's a a sickness to her that is just <laughs> like emanating and it's so true like you know the best she kind of looks is when she gets the closest to happy when she's in her like Mm -hmm. like florals and lightness Mm -hmm. or whatever the summery dresses (laughs) right and it's fleeting it's just this like fleeting but yeah there's so much attention paid to her styling because again on paper they are the things and they're also believable I'm like yeah I know dudes drunk dudes who whatever who would be like Yes, that girl looks good. Yeah, like, like a
2: Monet. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you're like, my man, you don't see so well right now either.
2: Like. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you. And I mean, I think what you're kind of driving at is like her fuckability is both the entire point <laughs> yeah. and totally besides the point. Yeah, it yeah. It like yeah. really tries to balance that. Well, you said that much better than I did did or was
1: even thinking so
3: thank you well i I think part of it is also just that visual pop is the scenarios that she's kind of putting herself in right like Mm -hmm. she's she's at a bar and so she can't just be wallpaper right she has to be visually enticing in a way that like (laughs) you know a drunk person like a like a, a fly to a what is it the
2: ointment bug zapper Honey. no what's <laughs> the bug zapper bug zapper <laughs> a moth to the flame oh yeah
1: that no, no, yeah. A,
3: a bug to a bug zapper you yeah know, I like the, about- it's
1: more artificial yeah I know what you're saying yeah. I got it I appreciate like, your like why,
3: is, why is it that shade and it's like uh cause it's enticing to a bug like they're sparsely why.
0: populated bars by the way I uh I'm envious of this night scene
1: yeah,
3: that's I,
0: I post- guess maybe it's during COVID.
3: I was gonna say that's the post-COVID <laughs> that I'm looking for in my bars. Of- no wonder it's a bunch of yeah. sleaze bags at these places. Right. I yeah. love the
0: fact that she every time she's in, we see her in a bar and she's doing her drunk thing, she's got, you know, good social distance, like at least eight feet of space <laughs> on either side of her. But I'm just like, you know what's crazy is that if she tried doing this in DC, no one would ever see her because there'd just be a throng of people <laughs> around her that were all just trying to get drinks or sit down.
2: I'm surprised oh, DC is like that because uh, my sense of DC from people I know who live there is just that like everybody's in bed by nine because they get up really early. The no,
0: next day. everyone is everyone is out drinking because they hate their job.
2: Oh, good point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can see a lot of
3: interns just being like, holy fuck. I went to oh, college yeah. for
0: this. The interns. Aww. So the interns were in college and then like the, the entry level people. And all the senate aides and stuff. I mean, like it's it's nuts. It, and then the worst part is that they're like, "Uh, this job, this job. I need to go out and get wasted." And then you go out and get wasted. And like the way that you introduce yourself to someone is like, "Hey, like you know, I'm I'm Brian. What do you do?" Yeah. It's, oh, I'm the a American realtor. Way. It's like oh, okay. Like there was, I heard these, I heard these women at the bar talking once, and I was probably like, we were probably all like in in our early twenties, and they said like. Yeah, I was talking to this guy and like I thought that he was important, but it turns out that he's like just a lobbyist. And I was like, "What if he's just a lobbyist?" That just <laughs> yeah. sound that still sounds important to me, but that's apparently a, like
2: uh, that's a good way of describing lobbyists.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, they have power, but they were looking for like someone who works in the Senate, I guess. I didn't bother to find out cuz I was like they're going to be super unimpressed with me working for a real estate research company. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what yeah. they say? DC is the Hollywood of ugly people.
0: Oh, do they say that? Because they definitely should. <laughs>
2: they definitely that's
1: what I say. say. <laughs> what? Yeah, I've definitely I've heard, heard that. that. And that story sounded the. I was like, oh, that's an LA story. But replace lobbyist with like.
0: Screenwriter. I thought
3: he was a director.
0: <laughs> yeah. Director yeah. I thought he was yeah. a producer, but he's really a screenwriter. Ew.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly, <laughs> I lived Jesus. in LA and I would go on OK Cupid, and this was well before Tinder and Grinder and all that. They,
3: it's, um, hey, wait a
0: second, did you say Grinder?
3: It's Grinder, <laughs> yeah, back it up. It's a farewell, it's a fairy tale version of Grinder. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> it's the German way. No, um, <laughs> for,
0: for your gay fairy tale princess, go to Grinder.
2: so. <laughs> like grundle um i don't know i just say silly things so so this was way back in the day on Cupid, and like literally every guy i would click on was i'm an aspiring screenwriter and i was an aspiring screenwriter so it was like nothing ever or they were comedian it was like you're an, either an aspiring yes. screenwriter or a comedian and i was like i'm never gonna find my husband out here and that was one of the big reasons i moved back to the east coast was like <laughs> i knew that as a like chubby um you know east coast like only wears black I, I was just, like, never going to find what I was looking for mm. uh, on the East Coast. So I had to go where the ugly people were.
0: You could have gone to Nevada. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God, that's even worse. Oh, my God. I now you want them
0: to have to all their it. teeth. Love you, Nevada.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
0: Um, I don't know. I did
2: marry a very handsome man, but very, like, my type, uh, you know, who, who was not looking to be... Ambitious in Hollywood
0: or whatever. Right, tall, stretched um, out, sickly Victorian-looking guy.
2: Yeah, exactly. More sallow than sickly, but we yeah.
0: T- we talked about your type the last episode. I
2: so. do. I like really tall, ghostly uh, freaks. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I love it. Am I going to have we, to cut that? I that. <laughs> no, no, you're not going to cut. My husband knows that he is. Uh, he's a nerdy, very smart person. So.
0: It's good. It's good that he knows himself in that way.
2: Yes. <laughs> Love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: okay. my god. Um what were we I don't even know do what we're we were talking go? about. Where I don't do know. We, we were talking about bar scenes in DC and how much this place sucks. It's the it's the Hollywood of ugly people. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm just going to carry that around with me forever. Um but it's true. It's 100% true. Um, I had a way to tie that back into the movie, and now I've totally forgotten it.
1: Ooh, it was really begging for a good segue, but I did not have one either.
0: <laughs> I had one, but then we just kept talking about it, and I was like, "I'm having a lot of fun talking about this thing that we're talking about." And I'm
2: sorry, not... I didn't mean to derail. No, no, no. that's why you're here. Team okay. effort. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, um, Brian, what oh, what Cora thought of the movie.
0: She's still not back. Okay. So. <laughs>
2: Wow, you really banished her to the cornfields.
0: Oh, yeah. You think no, the, coming here to her is a banishment, you know? Cause I'm all like, mm-hmm. it's time to go to bed and like, you know, we gotta try to teach her some stuff. She's gonna be furious when she comes back and finds out she's going to kindergarten. Um <laughs> oh, no. What was I gonna say? Um Yeah, no. So like her going to Texas, it's like sending her to Disneyland. Because mm-hmm. Mimi and Grandpa with their they you know what you know
3: what are you robin you you think (laughs) texas is cornfields this is
0: so the other day it was a twilight zone. yeah bill it wasn't literal cornfields (laughs) everybody knows it's wheat in texas um
2: it's just beef in texas and just imagine like beef hanging from
0: every sent out to the beef pasture that's
2: exactly how beef is grown yeah, on the beef tree.
0: <laughs> no, you think? Okay, just again, you think go- going to Texas with her grandparents is a banishment? She went to the zoo. She fed a goddamn giraffe, and then they came home and they rescued a baby turtle from the pool that my parents wow. have in their backyard. Like oh, she's so having good. the time of her life. I swear to God, she's gonna come home with that turtle. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I'm gonna get better get
2: a tank, Daddy.
0: <laughs> I we have a tank, but there's a lizard in it. We have another tank, but there's a snake in it yeah. So I'd probably have to get another tank. I'd have to get a whole new tank. What you
2: should do is get uh, like a little rhesus monkey and then pair it up with a dragon and then see who wins that fight.
0: <laughs> and give one an axe? Okay. You, first I was going to say, where do I get a rhesus monkey? But then I realized that I actually know where I can get a rhesus monkey. Then you said it's dragon. Terrifying. and And now I just what? don't even know.
2: Like a little bearded dragon, a little monkey. Oh, okay, one is yeah. little King Kong. One is little Godzilla.
3: Again, he, you better get one an axe. Why got, an axe?
2: Run some symbols.
0: Apparently, <laughs> King Kong has an axe. Um, oh, the Reese's monkey is going to win like, fingers almost every time. Um, I had a friend who worked at an NIH, what? and her job was to observe and then kill Rhesus monkeys.
3: Oh, hold on, hold on,
2: oh.
0: and then dissect what their brain.
3: What do you mean you didn't realize Kong had
0: fingers?
2: No, oh, Godzilla. Wait, which one did oh, you say? God.
0: Godzilla has fingers. They both have fingers. I guess Godzilla yeah, but has like, claws. You know,
2: like digits. Like, That's,
0: yeah, yeah, King Kong has an axe, and he has opposable yeah. thumbs. Kong has oh, an King
3: axe. King Kong has an axe. Is, is that okay. you, Drea? <laughs> Are you groaning? Poor Drea. <laughs> no, this
1: is amazing. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I perked up as soon as Brian casually said, Oh, well, I know how to get a rhesus monkey. Long time.
0: Long <laughs> time listeners of the show will not be shocked to learn that I know how to get a rhesus monkey or that I have a friend who used to experiment on them.
2: Oh. I do have we a used to make fun of her. who had a, had a monkey as a pet.
0: Oh, like no, the these 20s. were not pets. They would infect them with things and then dissect them. Um, no, and infect her job... and
2: dissect. The cla- infect, dissect, and then vivisect. Yes. Or one of them happens. <laughs> <Yes. Okay. laughs>
0: but so anyway, so yeah, uh, so we used, this is, this is dumb, but it's really short. Uh, we used to make fun of her that she was haunted by 100,000 monkey spirits. <laughs> and then we pivoted to saying that when she died, she would be greeted by the host of monkeys that life she took. And they would be her oh, servants nice. in the afterlife um
1: her servants that was a nice twist well it was that it's like
0: she'd be their servant it's that classic fantasy thing where it's like if you're a viking it's like every soul you take shall be your servant in valhalla or whatever and so we're like so for you they're all gonna be monkeys and how fun will that be (laughs) anyway um promising young woman uh what what more do we have to say about this film
1: I don't, I, anything I have to say won't involve monkeys or Valhalla, sadly. So,
0: <laughs> well, you know, do, do we think that, uh, even, Cassandra ended up in Valhalla?
1: Um, I think, mm. she, yeah, I think, uh, she ended up with, um, actually, no, she, I was just going to say with all of the people she killed. And then I was like, remembered the
2: actual movie. Oh, she didn't kill people.
3: <laughs> no. But yeah.
2: I don't know who's going to be serving Yeah. Either. I think she's in hades but it seems like her entire uh life on earth was like whatever she would be forced to do in hades as her as her uh punishment so like everything she does in the movie which is like try to get at these men and get into their brains and try to get some satisfaction out of that it's almost like sisyphus like she's just gonna have to keep doing that in hades and will never get anywhere with it um, because she didn't really get anywhere with it in real life.
0: It was a very I, Sisyphean task, what she was yeah. undertaking.
2: I think she was a firm
1: atheist and therefore her existence finished once they burned her. So she's <laughs> done. It <laughs> <Endedless. That works. laughs> um, Yeah, I feel like there was one other character that I wanted to note the casting of Who played her dad again?
0: Oh, that guy who's in all the things, Clancy Brown.
1: Clancy Brown, thank you. Okay, I did just want to shout out. Yes, the niceness of the Clancy Brown and Jennifer Coolidge pairing. Of (laughs) again, when you're looking at casting, that's coming with a lot of shorthand. Having those two as parents, and like in this like sort of just comfortable environment, comfortable concerned environment, and then um, Nina's mother. Was um oh my gosh. You guys had all of the Molly other- Shannon. Yeah, Molly Shannon. Oh, yeah.
3: And like I I, I yeah. liked how how like loving her character was. It's mm-hmm. it's Mrs. Fisher. But also just like she she was like, I'm tired of seeing you. Like yeah. you know? Well, she was just like, yeah. What the fuck?
1: She was more aware than anyone else that what Cassie was doing was not for Nina. It was for Cassie. Like Cassie, Mm -hmm. I think Cassie knew that. And that's why she took the risks she took. Um, I think that her parents did not see that, but I think that Nina's mom did. But again, you get Molly Shannon there for one scene you're immediately getting, like, years of Mm well-built, like, goodwill and warmth and humor and generosity. Like, it's just, yeah, not a lot of first-timers get access to that and use it that well. And... And again, like my th- my treatise at the be that's where I'll end. I'll do a bookend. My my idea at the Perfect. beginning of of watching this and thinking of if I'm a, you know a first-time director with enough sort of heat behind me, like with my television like show running and you know, doing you know, having just enough oomph and I'm gonna have just enough of a budget and I wanna do this big swing, then the film I do, I want to start with. Um, something that feels like a dark thriller at the beginning. I want to have a romantic comedy in the middle. I want to have um, like uh, a absurdist black um, horror film comedy at the end, like to this idea of, all right, I don't know how this is going to go. So I'm going to put it all out there and uh, see what shakes. And, you know, like as Brian's probably happiest, what shook is, she finally got a superhero film. So it really, it all <laughs> I know, came, you know, I
0: heard that and I was just like, oh, thank God. You know, I want to see people <laughs> I figured, get rewarded.
1: Yes, from what I've discovered, that <clears throat> seems like exactly your response. All right?
0: I want is for her to have her DC Santana film.
2: Exactly. Santana.
0: So, yeah, Z- Z- that was the Z- name, Zatana. wasn't it? Oh, Zatana. 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 No, it's Z- not going to be about that one magical day in, like, 1997 <laughs> when Santana and Rob Thomas yeah. got together in a recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> that Saturday. was
2: 1999. Oh, was Mister. it? I, well, yeah, you know, but they had to have recorded it
0: a little before then, right?
2: Oh wow. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I now want nothing more than a one night in Miami style movie that's just about <laughs> Rob Thomas yes. and Santana.
1: Yes. There's oh, a great... Boy. Not to do another tangent but if you know Chris Fleming the comedian mm-hmm. he has this beautiful th- riff that he does on like match like Rob Thomas in concert once said casually like oh yeah I talked to S-, or uh, during an interview oh I talked to Santana every night and then Chris Fleming just has this like 5 minute riff of like every night Really? It's Thanksgiving? You're sitting around <laughs> with your family and you're like, I gotta get on the horn with Santana. Every <laughs> time we do this. Anyway, I highly encourage people to check. I'm that gonna up. look that up. Chris you Fleming. think he lets him call him uh, Carlos? <laughs> um I think he probably has his own nickname for him. Like oh, yeah.
3: Baby Doll. <laughs>
0: oh Jesus. <laughs> he's,
1: got, he's just got something. Baby doll. One could dream. Yeah.
0: But he says it like a nineteen twenties gangster, so it's not weird.
1: Nice, yeah
0: what's up baby right. doll anyway um so that's glad again you know what are we doing here how does this happen oh man yeah um promising young woman i don't know it's it, i i would never tell anyone not to watch this movie i think that there's i think that people will pull things out of it and it and it'll start interesting conversations stuff i just know that for me you know, with my experiences and just my reaction to the movie and its aesthetics and everything, I was just like, I was never on the inside of it, and like I said, it just felt a little too constructed for me. Um, yeah,
2: yeah, that's I like not contrived, maybe not the right word I would use, but I definitely. <laughs> pieced together is kind of how i felt about
0: it and you know i'm i'm trying to do less now the thing where it's like oh let me rewrite the movie so that it works better for me because you know if the movie's working fine (laughs) for other people then why why would i why would i try to alter reality just to suit my own base needs but i do think that given the but again the, the ending doesn't pan it like doesn't doesn't play it out like i feel like if the movie is really supposed to be like you know, this woman is making a terrible choice and this is a destructive act, you wouldn't have her win. But also I think that you wouldn't have her 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 boyfriend have been part of the thing. Like I think that mm. having that be the tipping point for her is I don't know, less interesting than if she had just realized that she wasn't gonna be okay even if she did have him. Mm-hmm. You know, because then it would you be like been
1: fine if there was no actual impetus for her deciding to like not be in a relationship with him
0: yeah I think it would been I think it would have been great if she had just been like I tried this has been wonderful but there is a gaping gnawing hole at the bottom of my soul and it needs to be slaked with the blood of you know my enemies or whatever
2: without him having been complicit
0: yeah I crime. think that the complicitness it almost seems to rob her of the agency whatever small bit of agency that she has given her compulsive behaviors mm-hmm you know, and I just I, it feels to me like it would have it would have been a little more meaningful if he really was as good as he seemed. But she still was like, look, I proved because like she has her uh, conversation with uh, Laverne Cox. Who did she play? Gail. And she says, like, I could have the life I want in 10 minutes if I wanted it. And she seems mm-hmm. to be doing that. And so it would almost it would to me just be a little more impactful if she then said, look, I did it. I got it. I'm still not happy. I can pretend like I'm happy, but I'm not like oh i
1: feel like that would have devalued everything that had come before it if something like that had popped up
0: no see i feel like it devalues it to be like oh she found it and she is capable of it but god won't let her have it so like she's gonna go i told
1: you she doesn't
2: believe in god
1: okay then the
0: screenwriter won't (laughs) let her have it like you know
2: (laughs) we all know the screenwriter is god in these scenarios that is correct
0: and the director is the uh, the 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 preacher who makes a lot of money by interpreting God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and if you're if you're Emerald Fennell, you're lucky enough to be both.
0: I know, right? Then you just oh, I can't play this analogy out further because then it becomes really weird.
2: I was gonna say, weird. It's just so very weird for fun. me to like even think of her in in this role because I just think of her as Camilla now. I just picture Camilla and like the hair and. The sort of like flunkiness. I haven't seen
1: the season of the Crown. Oh, yeah, so I have
2: It's so. I've good. heard.
1: I'm I'm still on season two. I'm just
2: keep going. You uh, have you know, to get through season slow three.
1: Slow. You'll, you'll I get will. there. I will. I enjoy what I've seen. It's just so much comes out all the time. Having yeah. now looked
0: up Emerald Fennell, I am distressed to learn that a woman named Emerald was born in London and not Ireland. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh well, you know, to the English, uh, they own Ireland, so it works yes, out. Yes, that exactly. is, <laughs> and
0: goddamn yeah. them for it.
1: <laughs> exactly. My 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 final. I I really enjoy this film. I've seen it a couple times. Um, I get so much out of it and find it such a wonderful talking point with people. It's my favorite kind of movie in the sense of really being engaged and actively watching and then being able to have it be um, a social activity afterwards in in digging into it. I mean, it's, you know, months later and we're still, you know, chit-chatting away about it. And um, I'm super psyched to see what Emerald does next, both superhero and movies that brian will also want to watch
0: yes i am looking forward to her movie about rob thomas and santana
1: yes yes especially that one i can't wait
0: it's gonna be the best coming soon baby doll (laughs) (laughs) so it's gonna be about rob thomas and santana it's gonna be called baby doll yeah Mm -hmm. it won't be called smooth you heard it here first all right break into the scoop wide open do you break scoops open? Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's get out of here. This has been a great conversation. Very happy that we've had it. And um, yeah, that's that for today. Uh, Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week?
2: Next week we are talking about Godzilla versus Kong with Devendra Hardwar.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, you sounded like you had more to say, and I was like, oh god, is there a subtitle that I, <laughs> I forgot was tra- on the movie? Re-
2: I was concentrating on not saying Godzilla versus Kong because that is. <laughs> come this this has happened a couple of times now so i was trying to be very deliberate in my speech
3: yikes
0: yes yeah uh, you don't want to talk parody. about that movie
2: even if you can swear
3: yeah <laughs> or or Zilla versus kong
1: Ooh.
2: <laughs>
1: i am
0: very upset about everything i'm right so now. sorry drea <laughs> um, yeah, from, from the director of blair witch godzilla versus kong it's not. It's not even King Kong. It's just straight up Kong. God. Well, his name is movie.
2: Kong. In the well, he is the real- king. Yeah, he is a yeah, king, the, but his name. But is Godzilla
1: Kong. doesn't have his title. It's not like Mr. Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla,
0: <laughs> Godzilla. has God Godzilla. in his name. <laughs> That's Admiral. true.
2: <laughs> Admiral. I like Admiral because he's uh,
1: Lance Marine. Corporal Godzilla versus King Kong
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy all right anyway uh tell us what layer of the army you think godzilla is a member of <laughs> um and uh don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the film show to give us your money and don't forget that we were brought to you today by film movement plus you can enjoy a world of cinema with a film movement plus streaming subscription award-winning independent features documentaries and shorts as well as restored classics are all waiting for you to discover plus there are guaranteed new films added every week Available on all your favorite devices, including Roku, Apple TV, and Amazon Fire, Film Movement Plus is priced at 5 dollars a month. But, because you are an incredibly intelligent, wonderful, well-loved film stage show listener, Film Movement Plus will give you a 30-day free trial, plus the next three months 50% off when you use the promo code STAGE when signing up. Again, go to FilmMovementPlus.com and use the code STAGE when signing up and start streaming today. So now, let us tell the fine folks at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we are in their ears... Drea Clark, where can people find your stuff online?
1: Um, I exist on Twitter sometimes at the. Well, I'm always have a virtual. What is it? Social media presence at the mm-hmm. Drea Clark on Twitter. All um, right. Yes.
0: All right, Bill Graham.
3: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at cablebfg. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at billstagram. And uh, shout out to <laughs> Jennifer Coolidge, who apparently the interior scenes of The Beguiled from 2017 were actually filmed in her uh, New Orleans home.
0: What? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm out. Mic drop. i was about to say i don't i don't even want to talk anymore like i'm just robin's not going to get to say where she can be found i'm not going to say where i can be found we're not even doing an outro song that's we'll never top that but anyway let's give it a whirl robin Barr.
2: you can find me at robin Barr on twitter that's r-o-b-y-n-b-a-h-r
0: As for me, uh, you can find me on my personal site, BrianJerone.com. If you want to learn more about my distillery, which weirdly did not come up at all during this episode... You can go to Schmitzspirits.com. And of course, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, and Instagram at Brian J. Rowan, and everything at Brian J. Rowan. I have a <laughs> unified brand presence across all social media platforms to which I belong. And of course, you can find every episode of this here podcast and other writings by some of us at thefilmstage.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week. This is my